Well, good morning, Rick. I am so glad to be back podcasting with you. I've been looking forward to this ever since I heard the message. I just have to say at the outset, this message I think was one of my favorite ones that Mm. you've ever preached. Mm. I, I really, you know, suffering and the sure. goodness of God in it is is a favorite topic of mine. It's something that just really stirs my soul. And, and you've I just lived thought, it? I have, but many of us have. But I just thought you did a beautiful job of introducing the topic and showing Jesus' work in it all, and uh, and yet being very uh, very upfront and honest about the truth of it, yeah. and yet in a way that was very hopeful. Well, I appreciate that, and and I appreciate you using the word helpful because the goal is every single time that we get up to talk about Jesus and and and, and walk through this word that He's given us, we want it to be helpful mm. and hopeful. And and I think that that's His intent with these letters that He sent out to the churches. He loves them, and He loves us, and He's giving us a He's giving us a good word. And at the end of the day, it should result in it being helpful and hopeful for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited, too, because I've got a number of questions that people from our small group ministry have either texted or emailed. And this is starting to get really fun. Like, I've always is. enjoyed doing this podcast with you, but it's starting to get really fun because more and more people are sending in questions. I'm, I'm really digging it. We're, we're starting to reach one of our goals of letting this be an, an avenue for people in the congregation to yeah. interact with us. Yeah, and, I like the idea of, I think of the, even though it's a monologue, I'm the really the only one talking on, 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 the, on the weekend services giving the sermon, I think of it like a conversation, and this is really just keeping the conversation going, and I want, I want people to be a part of it. When, uh, this is a little bit more of a lighthearted question, but one of the first ones that came in this week was a small group that was just kind of marveling at the way that you pull together your messages and mm-hmm. incorporate different quotes and mm-hmm. and ideas and concepts. And, uh, and they've noticed from reading the manuscript that we put online, which as a side note, I'll mention is a great tip for small groups that meet later in the week. If you're trying to remember what the sermon was or remember different things about it, downloading the manuscript is a, is a wonderful tool that yeah, we have the, available. On the website, we put a, a – it's not like – we put the manuscript in a more robust outline is what's available mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah, on the website. Yeah. Uh, but this small group noticed that mm-hmm. when you preach, it's basically the same as your manuscript, and they were it's pretty close. marveling at your memory and uh, how it appears like you're just standing up there, just preaching off the cuff. But uh, but we know you're actually not. Uh, they're just curious about your sermon preparation process, how you do pull together different quotes. Yeah, I don't know that I have a great answer. Um, it somebody people have asked me before, and I've given them this answer, and they they seem disappointed. Like I feel like I see disappointment on their <laughs> face when I try to describe it, and I just say it's for me. It's a it's a lifestyle. It's it. I can't say this is how you go do it. Um, say so you're part of this process. We plan the messages out a year in advance, uh-huh. and and I know the kinds of things that that I'll be that I'll be preaching about, and so I'm constantly listening to others and, and reading others, and I keep track. Um, there are various ways that, that I do this. Uh, just keep track of things that I'm hearing, things that I'm reading that are that are inspiring to me or that I think are that are helpful, that I think, oh, this might be helpful to include. And I just catalog that. And when it comes time, when it comes time to sit down and write the message, I'm pulling from from those sources. And what I hope is, um, is that I'm modeling 
to folks that I'm submitting to teaching too. Like it's really important for me to mm-hmm. learn and to sit under the teaching of others. Um, and I, and I hope that that's I hope that's communicated mm-hmm. through that process. So if that was kind of one of our more lighthearted, fun questions, we mm-hmm. also got one that I thought was a really important question to address on this topic of suffering. Okay. Uh, someone was asking, before we talk more about the specifics of this particular message, the, the suffering topic in general is one that uh, often stirs a lot of deep thoughts in people. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and a small group that met last night apparently had a wonderful conversation about suffering, but someone in that group was saying, what if I don't feel like my faith is strong enough to endure mm. through suffering? Yeah. What would you say to someone who's who's not feeling very steady in their faith? Sure. Um, what I what I hope what I want to say is I hope is encouraging to them because it's encouraging to me. Um, is that it's okay if your faith doesn't feel strong enough because it's not about the strength of your faith. What's most important is what is the object of your faith. Mm-hmm. And weak faith in something strong is always better than strong faith in something weak. And it's not it's not about how how rigorous or strong or big or whatever qualifier you want to use to describe your faith is. Just what have you put it in? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is strong, and he's strong enough, and he will show up, and he will prove that he keeps all of his promises mm-hmm. um, to you when you trust in that. He doesn't keep promises that he didn't make, but he does keep all the promises that he did make. And so I, I first I just I just want to respond to that and just just by focusing on it's about where you're placing your faith. It's about Jesus. But Svea, you've been honest about your your story and you've got suffering in your story and I I, I want to hear what you have to say about mm. this. What would you say to this person? Yeah, well, you know, I've said publicly a few times when my first husband was diagnosed with cancer, I mm-hmm. wasn't in a strong place in my faith. Okay. I, I was in a period of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew a lot about about God. I, I certainly knew Jesus as my Savior, but uh, it was a very dry period mm-hmm. of time in my faith. And and I felt like God did it for me mm-hmm. rather than that my faith was something that, that carried me through mm-hmm. on my own two feet. Yeah. Uh, but it was more this beautiful experience of God inviting me yeah. to trust him. Yeah. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, I, um, I appreciate that. Uh, this question exposes a regret that I have about the sermon this weekend. Hmm. Uh, because one, I, I was at max time. And I really, and I just didn't, I, I, I didn't have the time or didn't figure out how to squeeze in when you are in this place. It's not just you be strong by yourself. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what we talked about. We talked about last week. It is both communal and individual. It has to be an individual thing, but, but not alone. Mm-hmm. It's personal, but not private. Um, be with others. And. Um, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Mm. Be with other people um, and be strong together. It's not just you and Jesus, mm-hmm. although it is you and Jesus, but it's not just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and the church family that you're a part of, the small group that you're a part of, the, the real community that you, you're a part of. Mm-hmm. Let other people give you the strength and the resilience they have. Don't, don't, don't try to do this alone. Be together. And I, that's a real game changer for the Christian life. Almost everything that we read in the New Testament, if not everything we read in the New Testament, 
No. Everything we read in the New Testament was received in community. Mm-hmm. It was received in community first, and we, we can't forget that. And so if you're weak, if you're tired, if you're feeling like your faith isn't strong enough, okay. Remember, it's about how strong Jesus is, and be with other people, share with other people, let them love you, let them encourage you, let them help hold you up. We all need that. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I I heard someone talking the other day about how even in relationships that tend to be very very small, you know, like for example, mm-hmm. like a marriage is mm-hmm. between a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. But if even in the context of a great relationship like that, if you were only ever alone together, mm-hmm. that would quickly become dysfunctional. You also need the, the presence of community, yeah. even in relationships Absolutely. like that. And we should expect that in a relationship with mm-hmm. God. Of course, we do need time alone with God, time mm-hmm. just to be with Jesus. Yes. But we also need to do that in the context of community mm-hmm. and being with other people because yeah. they have a way of showing yeah. us things that maybe we don't encounter ourselves. Mm-hmm. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a yeah. good question. Really, really good question. And I think there are a lot of people who can resonate with yeah. that. So. I'd, I'd say one more thing on that mm-hmm. question before we transition to the sermon is that there's so much damage that can be done to people when we give this idea of if your faith is just strong enough, then maybe you can influence what God will do. You know, if you just have enough faith, he'll answer your prayer or something like that. And that is just so toxic. Yeah, that's <laughs> that not good. Not the way that, that's that not the way not that Jesus we're demonstrated saying. it. If, it. if it ever sounds like we're saying that, it's just I messed up. I'm just a faulty communicator. We're flawed. That is never what we're trying to communicate. Yeah, that's so that's where I think gospel. your principle of it's not the strength of our faith. Mm-hmm. It's the strength of the object Absolutely. of our faith. Yeah. That is so important. There. Oh, yeah. But let's now transition to looking at the message itself okay. and the, the letter to this church to Smyrna, the mm-hmm. so-called suffering church. Yeah. Um, another great question that came in this week was, do you think that Jesus' lack of rebuke for this church was just simply compassion, recognizing this is a church that's hurting, so maybe we're going to just give them a pass on, on any kind of corrective language? Whatever my answer is, it's 100% speculation. Sure. I'm not. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I would be using what I would call a biblically informed imagination. Somebody brought out it, and, and Heather and I are hosting a small group, and, mm-hmm. and somebody brought out in our small group last night. Well, yeah, nothing. There's nothing negative said about this church, but not really anything positive. Just encouragement to to be to be resilient and to remain faithful. And I thought, well, man, that's a that's a great observ- That's a great observation. So I don't really know. Um, I do. I do know that they are flawed human beings who are sinful. So I'm no doubt they had some some sin in their church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess all I would say is this: Faye, I'm kind of I'm fumbling through this probably because I don't have a good answer. Is um, Jesus told them exactly exactly what they needed to hear and what was most important for him to share with them? Mm-hmm. And I and I could be I can be okay with that. I'm sure they were a flawed church. I'm sure they weren't a perfect church. I'm sure if we were there, we could go, huh? That's not so great. Um, but whatever those things might have been, it wasn't as important as talking about the urgency of them uh, being courageous and maintaining trust in him and faithfulness in him in a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe, again, this is just mm-hmm. speculation here too, but maybe it also speaks to the reality that when someone is in a crisis situation, mm-hmm. 
you're just not able to process things that feel peripheral in that moment. If things feel less important, um, even yeah. if someone compliments you on something and you're like, boy, that's just not where my head is right yeah. now, it's not going to sink in mm-hmm. and have any lasting value. Mm-hmm. And and so if that's the case and Jesus is demonstrating, like, I just, I understand mm-hmm. what it's like to be human. I understand yeah. what your head might be going through right now. No one has more emotional intelligence than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, I, I think you're. I think you're right on to something. That in, in times of urgency and crisis, you don't talk about everything. You talk about the one most important thing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus just talked about the one most important thing. And so, I, I, I want to be hesitant to read too much into that or to, to speculate. I just don't know. Yeah. Well, how about you know another? This is also going to be a source of speculation. But this this also kind of came up in my small group too, about Jesus's very specific mention of they're going to suffer persecution for ten days. Yeah. And yet, we don't actually know what that ten-day period resulted in, or, mm-hmm. or what it. There's, the commentaries are silent on that. That's right, and some people wonder: if, is this a reference back to the uh, to the to, to the book of Daniel? And it might have been. There are uh, many, many references to the Old Testament and from the book of Revelation. We're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, this this coming week. I think it's best to understand it as symbolic. There are. Uh, this is part of the challenge of the book of Revelation. There are so many, and again, we'll talk about. We're gonna we're gonna highlight this a little bit more in the coming week. There are cultural references, and then there are Old Testament references, um, and then there are things that are literal. And it's sometimes hard to, and, and and there's symbolic language, and it's hard to know which is just kind of a, a reference back to the Old Testament, which is using cultural imagery to, to communicate something, which is literal, and which is which is mm-hmm. symbolic. Uh, so if somebody wants to say, no, I think it was absolutely 10 days, I'm not going to sleep over that. I'm not going to sweat that. It's, I think it's probably more likely um, more likely symbolic. But whether it's symbolic or literal, this is what we know. Jesus knows exactly how long it's going to last, and he's not going to let it mm-hmm. uh, last one second longer. They're not going to have to endure one second longer uh, than he allows. He is sovereign over all of that. And so absolutely kind of debate literal or symbolic, debate other things. All of that is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I would never discourage someone from leaning into that, but I would discourage people from being distracted from what the big point is. And the big point is he is sovereign and we can rest in that. Mm-hmm. And he is sovereign and he is capable. Mm-hmm. He, you had a punchy line towards the beginning of the message about a dead Jesus is a worthless Jesus. Yeah, sometimes Christians them. have gotten mad at me for, for saying that. I'm like, <laughs> but it's true, right? <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, the you apostle... have to think about it. It feels irreverent to say that, and yet it is true. If he's dead and he wasn't resurrected. He's a liar, mm-hmm. and he's weak and pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm bristling just hearing you but say that. But that's not who he is. We're yeah. saying if. The most important word is if. Yeah. <laughs> is if, right? Yeah. But that's not who he is. Even the Apostle Paul said that that our preaching is useless and so is your faith Yeah. if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Yeah. Apostle Paul said if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're all making God a liar. We're claiming yeah. he did something that he didn't do. And then this guy, Jesus, is not who he pretended to be and we're all duped by him. Yeah. Yeah, that's worthless. But that's not who he is. Right. That's not who he is. Um, he is um, God who took on humanity, who was with us and lived a perfect life of truth, goodness, and beauty, perfectly fulfilling the law of God, who 
died and shed his blood to cover our sin and rose from the dead to prove that none of this is diluted. This is not foolish, that he is who he said he is, and he has the power to give us all that he promised. So, no, we shouldn't bristle at that. There's a quote that changed my life many years ago that uh-huh. uh, that is almost word for word with something that you said in the message, and I don't know if it's coincidence or if you know this one also, but the theologian Yaroslav Pelikan had said, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. Yeah. And I just think that is so profound. Yeah. Isn't it good? Mm-hmm. That's, that's really, really good. Our... Our faith rises and falls on the historical reliability of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. If it didn't happen, this is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the the study questions in the study guide was asking people to think mm-hmm. through a little bit how the concept of the resurrection might be an encouragement to the sure. suffering church. And, yeah. and you kind of went there in the message, and, and, uh, and I appreciated that you also brought out not just to the suffering church, but also to John receiving mm-hmm. this letter as he too was yeah. in a chapter of persecution in his life. This is all temporary. And Jesus has already overcome, and we will overcome because we are in him. And going back, and this is going to touch on to the question of the person who felt like they had weak faith. Remember, we overcome not by what we do, but by what he did. And so we are in him, and so just keep trusting in him, mm-hmm. right? He is going to make it all okay. The worst thing in human history has already happened, and it turned out okay. <laughs> it turned out way better than okay. And if you don't know what I mean, the crucifixion is the worst event that ever happened in, in human history. And look at the good that we receive because of that. We're going to be okay. And even if the worst thing that we can imagine happens, it is temporary. And it is going to read to the end. Jump ahead. Somebody in my small group said, hey, I did what you said. And I went and read Revelation 21 and 22. And it's beautiful. Jump ahead. Read Revelation 21 and 22. It is all worth it yeah it's worth it and so we can it doesn't mean that we're not going to experience pain it doesn't mean that we won't experience trauma and even depression it won't mean it it won't mean that there are going to be times that we are just worn out and exhausted with what we're dealing with it doesn't mean that but it means that we can walk through that with confidence in Christ, knowing that he is using all of this to advance the good of his glory, our good and the good of others. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, well, what other option is there? Mm-hmm. Okay, but let me push on you a little bit here. Okay. Because you also asked a very important question, and that was, what could cause me to flinch in the face of hardship or flicker and fade instead of reflecting Jesus? And I think that was a great question to ask, and yet it it might be one that that mm-hmm. uh, kind of stings for the person that is saying, "Boy, I'm not sure I've got the courage." I'm well, not- it stung for me. <laughs> okay, listen, listen. I've said it before. I don't know if people really believe it. When I'm sitting there getting ready for the message throughout the week, you know, I'm getting a whooping, right? Yeah. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, I I I feel like a joke standing up here preaching mm-hmm. on this because. I'm not an, I'm not a good example of this, mm. but I don't I don't I just got to remind myself I don't preach these things because I'm a good example. Mm. I preach these things because Jesus is good and I trust His Word and I believe it's true. Mm. It's so I want to be an example. I want to follow Him and I'm trying. I don't want to be a hypocrite, yeah. but there are things that cause me to flinch. Yeah. Um, the things that the things that cause me to flinch are things that mess with my comfort or things that expose my insecurities. 
And so I got insecurities. My insecurities are not being smart enough. Um, the things that makes me mad the most are the things when people misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be validated and I want to be right and I want everybody to tell me that I'm right. Mm-hmm. right? And so things that mess with that cause me to flinch sometimes and reflect more of me and a whole lot less of Jesus. So I, I got I got my own sin that I'm working through. <laughs> so if you're listening to that and you're like, well, I got some stuff too. Hey, we're all in the same boat together. Yeah. And the good news is that Jesus knows. <laughs> yeah. And he loves us and he forgave all of that. He covered all of that, and now we just get to, we just by his spirit is in us, and he is molding us to be more like himself, and we just get to keep trusting him and taking one step at a time each day, mm. following him. So don't feel beat down. Mm-hmm. Be inspired. Be like, yeah, I want to. I'd much rather reflect Jesus than my insecurity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's way better for everybody. Even forget other people. It's better for me. Mm-hmm. It's just better for me. But we do love other people, and we we want what's better. We want what's good for them too. It Am I rambling here? It was an no. You're not okay. at all. You're, it was an important question, and I I think it's good to circle back to it a little bit because if someone heard that and thought, oh, there actually is something that could cause me to flinch, yeah. or or something that might flicker in my faith a little bit there, if they feel that, that's not necessarily a bad thing to feel that that's a helpful thing because it helps you identify mm-hmm. what are those areas of my life that i need to invite jesus into yeah um, the the only one who could answer that question saying no there's nothing that could cause me to flicker or mm-hmm. or flinch or anything mm-hmm. is jesus himself yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of us are all sinful humans that uh, that's right that if we're honest with ourselves, there's definitely some things that we need to acknowledge in that question so i want to say this too I kind of want to, let's kind of go hopeful. Okay. If you're spending time with Jesus, like if you know and love Jesus, right? And you're, and it's, you, you understand this is not the pursuit of theology. This is the pursuit of Jesus. And we're not, I love theology. Yeah, theology is great. I majored in theology. I love (laughs) doctor. I love all the things, but that's not the point. Uh The point is to know Jesus, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus. If you're pursuing Jesus, I'm telling you, it's not the people who make the A's on the theology tests who don't flinch. Mm-hmm. It's in the moments when it comes. It's people who love Jesus, mm-hmm. who deeply cherish him and know how deeply cherished they are by him. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not flinching. And it's not because of something great about them. It's because of the greatness of the relationship that they have with him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So um, I just want to emphasize that. And so don't sweat it. Like if there are some things that, that mess with you and you're like, I don't know, that would be tough. And listen, just focus on your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And when the, when the time comes, I bet because of your love for him and his love for you and, and all that's going on, that, that you'll be able to respond in the moment. But it's not going to be because of, of, of a religious resume. It's going to be because of the quality of the relationship mm-hmm. that you have with Christ. I, I read something the other day about when we discover those areas of our life that we're not proud of, mm-hmm. whether it's either something that we feel like is a vulnerability mm-hmm. or even just a blatant sin, mm-hmm. the worst thing we could do would be to hide that from Jesus. Mm-hmm. The best thing we could do would be to acknowledge it and even sit in it and invite him into that moment with us and say, Jesus, I just want you to see, I, I need you to be here with me here. Mm-hmm. Just love me, mm-hmm. help me in this Mm-hmm. in this moment, in this situation, mm-hmm. and and not to hide from him, 
but to let his light come in to those dark places of our lives, that that's the way we find healing. Can you think of a time in your life when you hid from someone or tried to hide something from someone that it just worked out better? <laughs> Only temporarily, if that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about a time, Heather was out of town uh, on a mission trip for a couple of weeks, and I there was a it was a financial thing i don't really want to get into get into all the details of it but there's a financial thing and i was trying to figure out financing for this thing that we had a commitment to and i couldn't figure it out i couldn't figure it out and for for whatever reason i was just kind of running into dead ends and i was feeling stress and i think my stress was really mounting um and sometimes there are studies that show that in times of trauma and stress that you actually get dumber mm-hmm. because you're not able to think clear. It clouds your ability to think clearly. And I might have kind of been in that cycle and I'm and I'm wanting to uh, I don't want to tell Heather. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she comes home and I'm like, babe, I got to I got to tell you something. She's like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, we're in this together. We don't hide stuff from each other. We're in this together. And it's kind of embarrassing because she because um, she like figured it out and. <laughs> you know, and, and, and a snap and everything was all good. And I was like, man, why would I even, why would I ever, why would I ever just try to be alone? Yeah. It, you know, and it was just, it was such a, it was a humbling and encouraging and awesome kind of reminder. And and I think about that, I think I could do the same thing in my relationship with Christ. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. And I'll prove to you. I'm going to prove to you how dependent I am on you by <laughs> me by trusting myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so silly when you say that, and yet don't we all do that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. But then when we know him for the good and the kind and the merciful and the loving and the gracious and the forgiving Jesus that he is, we're so safe to do that. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, if we know him, he's not, he's, you know... He's not eager to beat us down. Hmm. I think he's done all that he needs to do to prove how eager he is to love and forgive. Hmm. Now, he's going to be honest with us. He's honest with these churches. Mm -hmm. But all of that is an expression of love. Mm -hmm. It's all an expression of love. So I'm glad you brought it back to Mm -hmm. love again here. We saw last week how incredibly important love is, Mm -hmm. that love actually is the, or the lack of love, is the one reason why Jesus said that this church could be disbanded for a lack of love, yeah. which was a pretty powerful and, and maybe unexpected statement. You've had a couple of zingers that way in this series uh, with, with pointing out how last week's unexpected statements was that it's better to have no church than an unloving church. Mm-hmm. And this past week, you had another one where it's better to let a church suffer than to prevent the suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about that second Second point before we uh, we close out this episode. Yeah. How is it better for a church to suffer than to not? <laughs> because we all have the empire in our hearts instead of the kingdom, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all children of the empire, naturally, not children of the kingdom. And this is what I mean by that. This is the empire mentality, is that, um, is that it's, we're defined by our successes and our truth and our goodness and all of that is really seen in our success. And the empire is about me. The empire is about building. The empire is driven by pride. The empire um, loves vain glory. The empire loves attention. 
Um, the empire really is not about loving others. The empire is about comfort. Empire is not about sacrifice. Um, empire is about control. And there is just um, whether you're t- talking about literal empires throughout history or just the way that we live. That is the way we naturally are. And Jesus's kingdom flips all of that upside down. It flips all of that upside down. And when we want to show off the superiority of our faith, of our belief, of Christianity, of Jesus or whatever, and we think that we're going to do that by how nice we dress or by how good our lives are or by how well behaved our children are, just everything is great and shiny and successful. We don't understand him and we don't know him. (laughs) It's... um, we see the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus often in our sufferings more than in our successes. Mm. And Jesus is opposing not people so much as he is the empire. He's against sin and he's against the destructiveness of it. And he wants us to know him and love him, give our affection to him so that we can be with him, in him, and citizens of his kingdom. And we're not going to see it. It's just not going to be seen by everything being beautiful, shiny, wonderful, and successful. The real power of the gospel and the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus is just often seen in our successes. It, excuse me, in our suffering instead of our successes. And and I and I don't know that I can do a better job of talking about it than that. And I'm sure that that's not that's not good enough. But it is amazing how seeing Christians suffer well and die well has advanced people's ability to see and worship Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, and maybe I can't explain it. Maybe we can't totally understand it, and that's okay. But the question is, will we trust him? And so why is it better for a church to be persecuted than to be protected sometimes? You know, I, we'll talk about this a little bit. You know, there's a couple of different ways to spell persecution. One of the ways that you can spell it is P-U-R-S-E, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There's something about success and wealth and health and and having it that we turn our attention to ourselves Mm -hmm. instead of on him. And we're just that fragile and we're just that vulnerable um, that we're not going to be able to. Most of us are just not in a position where we can handle that this side of heaven. Mm. Mm, truth. <laughs> so, and I'm speaking to me more than I'm speaking to anybody else. Mm. So that's, uh, that's where that comes from. And it's, I think it's just driven, it's just driven by the text. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the text has been uh, bringing to life all kinds of really mm-hmm. important things in this series so far. I can't wait for next week and all to right. see, uh, see what it has to say to us this coming weekend. All right. All right.